Welcome to episode 35 of The Process. Stay hungry. Welcome to episode 35 of The Process. I am Quavon Taylor. And I am Omonte Martin. Uh, today we have Dan Mulroy on the podcast with us today. Welcome to the podcast, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, could you tell the listeners where you're from? Yeah, so I'm originally from outside Philly, uh, but now I live about an hour north of uh, Manhattan. Manhattan, Manhattan. What, what was it like growing up in Philly? Oh. Hey, Philly was good for me. Um, honestly, you know, I live about 45 minutes outside the city, uh, in Narstown, suburban life, really. No, nothing too crazy for me, honestly. Uh, life, life didn't get crazy until after I left, uh, left home, joined the Navy, became a SEAL. That was my that was my next question. Uh, why the Navy? You know, when I was uh, in high school, you know, I was thinking about going to college, and I was filling out college applications. It just didn't feel right, and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Like college didn't feel right to me, and I always seen the the, the program on the Discovery Channel about Navy SEALs and what that's like. Never thought I'd do it, but uh, you know, it was there. So. Uh, the recruiter came to the high school one time and he had some free stuff. So I signed the paper saying I, I'd take his free stuff and you know, he signed it. And he ended up giving me a call uh, later that summer, you know, while I was filling out college applications, writing essays unsuccessfully. I uh, went and saw what he had to offer and uh, you know, chose to go down that path. When did you decide that you wanted to be a Navy SEAL? So I was, um, I guess, a junior, uh, the summer between junior and senior year of high school is when I decided. That's when I signed the paperwork. That's when you signed the paperwork. So when you first got into the military, to, to the Navy, is that what your first job was uh, to become a SEAL? Yeah, so the process for me, it's a little different now, but you essentially sign up and you get a contract to go and be a Navy SEAL. So you go to boot camp, um, you go and you go to like an, a, a preschool or an A school, they call it, 
Um, but you take a screening test saying you have bugs and then you go to bugs after that. So it was in my contract that as long as I passed that screening test, uh, I could go to bugs. It's a little different now. Uh, they removed a little bit to streamline the process, but I mean, it's essentially the same. So buzz, from my civilian perspective, I hear about buzz, I hear about hell week. Uh, how did you prepare mentally and physically for buzz? You know, I didn't really prepare mentally for buzz. I mean, I was honestly a dumb 18 year old who didn't know what he was getting himself into. <laughs> if I have to be completely honest about it. Uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, I ran uh, cross country and track. So, I mean, I was in decent shape. Uh, I could run pretty good. Um, so I, you know, I think that that's what really helped me uh, be prepared for it. But, you know, I, I didn't do any courses for it, uh, I, anything like that. I probably should have looking back. But uh, yeah, I was really just a dumb 18 year old who didn't know what he was getting himself into. <laughs> so so what was it like? What was Buzz like? You know, you 18 year old, uh, you say you barely prepared for it. Uh, <laughs> what was that process like, you know? Yeah, so you get there and you don't know what to expect. And uh, you, you've seen the Discovery Channel program, so you have an idea, right? You know, but yeah. you can't, they don't capture the true intensity of this place, you know, in, you know, a 45 minute Discovery Channel program, right? You just can't capture it all. So you get there and Bud's is six months total um, of, you know, pure misery in essence. The first, the first third of it is really physical. They're breaking you down, they're beating you down. And it's a lot of being wet and sandy, uh, being surf tortured, like laying down in the surf, uh, you know, being cold and, you know, lots of, lots of physical exercise, PT on the grinder there, uh, log PT, run with a boat in your head, everything you can imagine. Uh, you know, once a week, you do a four mile time run in boots and pants and sand. You do a two mile ocean swim and then you do an O course and they're all time. Um, you know, there's, you have to do a 50 meter underwater swim. Uh, you have to do underwater knot tying. Um, the 50 meter underwater swim, I blacked out last 10 meters uh, I pulled up and that's like a regular occurrence with people um, so buds is a mental breakdown day in and day out to just continue and uh, anybody who focuses on the bigger picture ends up failing you know so it, it's really about this kind of goes to your point about process we we're talking about is you know it's a it's a it's a process it's a it's a long-term struggle and you got to focus on the little things because if any one person focuses on like I have to do this for six months it's too big for them so you have to focus on just getting to the next meal getting through this evolution uh you know and that's it so you talked about you talked about the process of getting through buds what was one thing that motivated you to make it through buds yeah so one of the biggest things that motivated me to get through buds is you know I had something to prove to myself for sure um but more so than that, in, in some in the, some of the tougher times and moments, uh, something that I fell back upon is that I didn't want to have to go home, you know, and uh, have to talk to my family, my parents, or my sister, my little sister, and have them ask me what I tried. You know, even more so, I, I had three little cousins who were all under like five at that point, and I didn't when they were grown, I didn't want to have to have a conversation with them to say that hey, I, I tried doing this, but you know, it, it was just too hard. And, I, and I, I couldn't make it, so I quit. So, you know, in the moment, that was kind of my uh, my why, my task and purpose of for you know, 
why I made it through, what got me through that is there's no way that I could go home and my answer have to be that I, I couldn't make it. I wasn't hard, tough enough I, and I quit. Um, and ultimately, I just wanted to do something greater with my life. Uh, and that, in that moment, that's what it was. So can you describe for me one day in the life of a SEAL? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so I'll, I'll cover two days for you. So I'll cover a day at Bud's. Um, you know, that's dorm training. And I'll cover a day just like after you go through that and you're, you're going and doing uh, training, you're like, you're actually a SEAL at a SEAL team. So one day at Bud's is, you probably wake up around 4 a.m., maybe maybe a little earlier than that. You uh, you know, you go out. First evolution is going to be a four-mile time run on the sand. So you, you meet the instructors out on the beach. You like 4:30 or 5 o'clock. You, you've mustered with your whole class before that. You've gotten together and you run out to the beach. And uh, the instructors meet you there. And you, you run uh, your four-mile time run there and back in soft sand. If you don't make the time, you end up getting a little beat down where they, uh, you know, physically you know, push up, sit ups, uh, bodybuilders, burpees, you know, wet and sand, you get in the surf. You finish that up. Uh, if you pass, you can go, you know, go get lunch or, or breakfast. You go get breakfast, you come back, you probably get a room inspection uh, and uniform inspection. So they're going to, everybody gets in formation. They look at your uniform. Anybody, anything that's amiss is a hit. You have three hits. You, you go out to the surf and get wet and sand. You get the same thing with your uh, your, your your room. Uh, it has to be clean, everything like that. Sheets have to be made. So you know they're pretty stringent about that. And then from there you go. You probably have to do you know a physical like grinder PT and it's just, just physical exercise, push-ups, pull-ups, sit-ups, uh, eight-count bodybuilders, everything you can imagine from a military-style workout. And then from there, you probably get a lunch. So after lunch, you come back and you probably have either a class or something. And you probably go and do some log PT where you take these giant telephone poles and you're just going to carry these telephone poles, do a bunch of exercises with your team up over your head and shoulders. Uh, you, you can Google that to get a you know, YouTube and find some, some pictures of that and stuff. Somewhere in there, there's probably some surf torture. They just walk you out into the surf as a group. You all link hands and lay down in the surf. Uh, the, the water is probably about 60 degrees, 65 degrees, and they'll, they pretty much put you in there for as long as they can until they give you hypothermia. They'll pull you out, make you do some exercises, warm you back up, and then push you right back in again. Uh, and they'll you know, make, make you take your uh, your shirt off uh, and lay there without a shirt on just to make it more miserable. Uh, and then from there, you know, if it's dinner time, they'll probably go and get dinner, come back, and it's probably usually the end of the day. Uh, you know, you go and try to get cleaned up, get some sleep before it starts all over again. So that's, that's kind of a rough day, but you know, it's, that's just, that happens for six months uh, over and over again. Some of the things change, but that's probably what it's about, long days. And then uh, as a SEAL, you know, your days really vary depending on what you're doing. Uh, you know, when I was a SEAL, I would travel probably 220 days a year. Most of that time is training or deployment. But if you're training, you know, depending on what you're doing, if you're gonna go and skydive somewhere, we're going on like a skydiving trip, like our days, we probably start our days leaving the hotel or wherever we're staying at, you know, around three, 3.30 or so. Uh, get to the drop zone, maybe around four, 4.30, prep all our gear, do like a night jump in the morning. So we do our first jump before the sun comes up. And uh, so we can simulate at night. And then from there, we'll, we'll continue jumping for most of the rest of the day. 
get done around one or two in the afternoon or so. Out, we're maybe we're out in Arizona or someplace where the winds get high, you can't really jump up in the morning winds. And then uh, go back to your uh, wherever you're staying, get some food and pass out and start over the next day. Uh, you know that might be different if you're somewhere else. You might your day might start you know a little later, but going to the night or you might start at work in the afternoon and work until two in the morning, do a night training and stuff like that, clearing house is your training is on some sort of a shoot house that's that's generally your day as a navy seal you're constantly training something new all the time whether shooting drills skydiving uh clearing through uh, a house or, or, or a structure uh, all those kind of things my question well my first question is a two-part question first question is for the listeners who don't know what is buds stand for the acronym yeah, so BUDS is Basic Underwater Demolition School. So it's essentially uh, the Navy's Navy SEALs boot camp, right? It's the Navy SEAL course. You do this one uh, and then it's about six months long. Then you go to SQT, which is SEAL qualification training, which is another, I'll say six months where you do a little bit more advanced skills. And then once you do both of those skills and plus I think you actually do a, a skydiving course, you get uh, your tri which is the pin that Navy SEALs wear on their uniform to signify that they're a Navy SEAL. So the trident is pretty symbolic for us and important to us as a, as a pin. Uh, and my, my follow-up question is, you know, you think of, from the outside looking in, you think about uh, BUDS as all the madness, but what's the method to the madness of BUDS? The, the, the training real hard, the long days, the, uh, the room checks, um, what's the method to the, to the madness? The method to the madness is really to break break individuals down mentally. Um, you know, to create a team or a bond at the end of it. And look, any one of these little evolutions that maybe an hour to two hours long, really by themselves aren't that bad because it only lasts an hour or two, right? It can, I can only torture you for so long for two hours. If you know it's going to end after that, you can make it through. But by adding all of these things together and they're all a little bit miserable, it's like a thousand paper cuts, right? You break your arm, you break your arm, you cast it, it sucks, but okay. But if I give you a thousand paper cuts over and over and over again, you're just gonna get sick and tired of it, right? And eventually you're just gonna be fed up with it. So the goal is, look, how can we simulate all of the tortures and stress of maybe combat on a regular basis to weed out those people who aren't mentally tough. And if you look at like the statistics of buds, the people who quit, or I'm sorry, the people who make it, it's, it's not because they failed uh, a evolution, right? Very few people fail because they couldn't, the times for the run or the swim were too great and they couldn't pass the times. Most people quit because they either get physically hurt or they, they mentally break down and they quit. So it's all about how much pressure and stress can we put on one individual or the class really uh, over time to see who we can weed out so we, we're left with only the strongest and more mentally tough so thinking about that uh a thousand cuts analogy what was hell week like <laughs> <laughs> hell week was a thousand cuts uh put into five days uh when everything else is six months now you know buds is the, no, i'm sorry hell week is is the crucible of buds and uh you know it's it's five days five and a half days uh with less than four hours of sleep the whole time 
and you're on the go your entire time. You're wet, you're sandy, you are running with a boat on your head, you are swimming through the surf, you're you know, treading water in you know, 60 degree water and they pull you out and make you lay on a, on a metal dock or pier um, and you get back in the water. Just, just everything you can imagine that they do to make you miserable. But the idea of it is, is that if you can do that for five days with no sleep, you can do anything. Right. At that point after that, nothing can hurt you because what could be worse than that? Um, so Hell Week is miserable. Uh, you know, there's nothing fun about it, but at the same time, the bond that is created amongst the brothers uh, who make it through that is, is lasts forever. I was going to ask at what point, because, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, you're 18 year old coming into this kind of not knowing what to expect but at one point did you reach that epiphany you like this is very hard but i can't be broken um i don't know when i actually when that actually that like that conversation happened in my head i know that the, the last day of hell week the friday we got secured or we finished hell week and i remember sitting there thinking like i'm i'm actually gonna make it I'm actually going to become Navy SEAL. But before that, like, it was such a question mark. Like, you don't know. You don't know what's around the corner. And maybe it, it's, it's way harder than anything else. But after, after Hell Week, it's like, there's nothing that could be worse than that. Like, nothing at all. Nothing, like, nothing's going to hurt me anymore uh, to the point where I'm not going to make it. Like, I, I'm actually going to do that. So I think that was the point at which, after Hell Week, that I, you know, accepted maybe uh, that I, I was actually gonna make it. To your guys' point of process is look, everything's a process. And uh, if I, all of those things without through BUDS or SQT or even the training afterwards, like it didn't suddenly get easier after making it through those trainings. Like being a SEAL was tough, right? Being on deployment and, and hiking in the mountains with 60 pounds on the go in, in the middle of the night to go do an operation was hard. Uh, it wasn't easy. Right? It's not like it got suddenly easy after that. And so I think it's just important for me to remember, like, this is a process. There is like success was the day that I got my trident or the day that I made it through hell week was not success, right? That was just the next step. And there's always a step after that. Because um, if you know you get your trident and then like you're good and you give up, like that's the point where you stop growing uh, and you just kind of start to die. You go through all the training, you earn your trident, but you, you know, they say you have to earn every day. Um, what was it like being amongst like-minded individuals and teams? You know, it was good. Um, everybody just has like a common sense of what needs to get done, right? And uh, because you've all made it through something similar, you can rely on each other to the utmost. And there's a, there's a great brotherhood there. Uh, you can, you know, everybody holds it to be accountable for different things. And uh, it's amazing what can get done when you have that type of camaraderie within a group. So what was the social life for SEALs? Yeah. Like socially, like as a like personal life and such? Yes, social, a social life, like, you know, just being, being away from, uh, being away from work. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I was, I was, uh, I grew up in my twenties in the teens. So uh, 
I probably drank way too much, went out uh, way too much and partied way too hard. Uh, and I, I definitely could have been a better SEAL had I not. But, uh, you know, life is good, man. I, you know, I got to, you got to think about it, like, for work, I got to do all the coolest hobbies that were for work. So I got to shoot guns. I got to, you know, um, blow stuff up. I got to skydive. I got paid to do, like, ride dirt bikes. I got to do all those things, ride wave runners and stuff like that. So I got to travel around the country, across the world. So socially, you get exposed to a lot of different places, a lot of different cities. You got to see a lot of different places and, and things going on and, and cultures in the countries and how things are, are done differently across the world. So it's an experience. Uh, I, it's hard to explain other than it's an experience for sure. How long were your seals and what was the transition like for you coming out? Transition? Yeah, so I was in the seals for 14 years. So uh, I got, I actually got out last October, so a year ago, just about a year ago. Um, so getting out was a hard decision for me because it's something that, you know, I had done for a long time. And, but I had met my wife at that point and we were having a daughter. So it was time for a change uh, for me, you know, to focus on that because I did travel so much. So transition was hard because you, you're used to being within a really tight-knit group and getting out and you got to do your own thing, right? And I wasn't really ready to step in and go work nine to five in some office. So I wanted to do my own thing. So I worked at a startup for a while. But prior to that, right before I got out, I actually got diagnosed with tongue cancer. So uh, two weeks before my wife was supposed to give birth to our, our oldest daughter, or my, my one daughter now, um, she, well, I got diagnosed with tongue cancer. So uh, you can imagine the amount of stress that put on us. So my wife gave birth. Two weeks after that, I went in and had my first surgery where they removed the tumor from my tongue. I had tongue cancer. And then uh, two weeks after that surgery, I went back in and they removed uh, lymph nodes from my neck to uh, see the uh, spread. Fortunately, it hadn't. So about, uh, that was actually two years ago. So that definitely spurred on my decision to uh, get out and start a new life. But transition's hard, man. It's, it's not easy. It's not easy going from the pinnacle of success and trying to reinvent yourself and start over. It's tough for anybody who's gonna go from one thing to the other and start over because you gotta think about it, like all of my peers, like people my age, right, who they've been in business for 12, 10, 15 years, right? Um, so I'm playing catch up to all of them and, you know, and what success means and is, you know, on that level. So. Uh, it's important to try not to compete with those people, but uh, still stay hungry enough to catch up to them. What skill set did this, the SEALs give you in terms of transitioning? Because it seems like you all have a, a unique skill set. Um, yeah, the biggest skill that I think being a SEAL gives you is that you're able to stay calm under pressure. and jump into any situation regardless of how stressful it is and quickly assess what needs to be done and then take action, right? So, um, you know, whether it's for right now, I'm a consultant and coach for companies. So I feel very comfortable going into any company and helping them assess their problems and then giving them solutions to it or helping them find them. Uh, so I think just dealing with that stress and how to, uh, 
how to tackle the tough problems. The title of our, our podcast is The Process, and it's all about trusting the process. What does trusting the process mean to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think a lot about process because I help a lot of my clients out, you know, developing their process internally to their companies. And to me, trusting the process is having the combination of balance of patience and persistence so that understanding that a process takes a long time to come to fruition and get to the end, but you still have to have the persistence to on a day-to-day basis, you know, take action and, and, and knock things out. So I think it's the combination of both patience and persistence, which really, you know, is trusted, trust the process and, you know, realizing that it's going to take time. Success doesn't happen overnight. Through your, your career, through the military and transitioning out, um, what is your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Yeah, my biggest failure. Um, there's, there's a bunch of them. Let me try to find one. Uh, hmm. You can go through a couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think mean, one of my biggest failures was um, You know, really when I was transitioning out, I uh, I didn't or I didn't rely on the skills and things that I learned as a SEAL. And I thought that I was getting out and I was transitioning to something new, so I had to be like that, right? You know, I, I didn't I didn't know I didn't take who I was as Dan, who was a Navy SEAL, and said, I'm gonna Dan the Navy SEAL transition to something else. Like I'm gonna reinvent myself totally and forget about being a Navy SEAL. And really what, you know, what I learned was, is that that's not the case is that I have to be honest and truthful to who I am. Right. And and follow that. And that will lead me to whoever I'm going to be in the future. So that was a big lesson for me, you know, not to forget about all the things that I've done before and and shy away from them, but to embrace them, uh, take those experiences with me. one, you know, that's kind of broad speaking, but one pointed thing that I screwed up uh, my last you know, six months or whatever, else, not maybe a couple of years, was I was in charge of a bunch of people. Uh, I wrote a post on this, I think on LinkedIn or something. I, uh, I saw a problem with somebody who was in charge of me and there was a miscommunication going on and uh, I took it upon myself to uh, go above them and talk to my you know higher boss about what was going on to try to fix the problem or whatever and uh, what I learned was is, is that while I thought that I was trying to handle it by getting getting it taken care of I was actually avoiding the, 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 the harder conversation and issue at hand instead of going point to point with that person and talking to him directly you know and having that tough short-term conversation uh, I, I was you know and get through the best long-term outcome I ended up avoiding that tough short-term situation, which led to a, a worse long-term outcome. So that was a big learning point for me is that, you know, it's important to not shy away from tough conversations or things that are uncomfortable in the short-term if they're gonna lead to a better long-term outcome. What advice would you give someone pursuing a similar career that you pursue? What are some of the advice that you would give them? Somebody who's going to be a Navy SEAL or going to do what I do now? Both. Both? Now, for someone who, okay. So for someone who's going to be 
or pursuing to become a Navy SEAL, you know, or really anything that's, you know, of that scale and that, you know, that hard, uh, mentally tough is, uh, you know, figure out your task and purpose, figure out your reason why you're doing it, uh, and decide what that is before you get started. Uh, so that, that you know, when that stress comes in, when there's tough situations come in, for me, you know, when, when I'm in the middle of hell week, if that moment when I want to quit comes and presents itself, and I haven't decided why I want to be there, it's going to be really easy to quit. Uh, so I think it's important to decide your reason for being there. For me, it was, you know, I don't want to have that conversation with my, my parents, my family about, hey, I couldn't make it. Um, you need to decide that ahead of time. Uh, otherwise, you know, it's like getting out of bed in the morning. If you haven't decided that you want to go to the gym in the morning, when your alarm clock goes off, you're not going to make the decision then. Uh, you have to make that decision beforehand. So the same thing with stressful situations or hard courses. You know, I'm sure for you guys, you know, in school, you know, for your PhD, there's probably moments where you know, it sucks, right? It's tough, you know, but you have a, you have a greater good or reason for doing it. So that, that keeps you in the game, right? You can fall back upon that. So I would say, you know, define what that is for you, you know, before you get into it. Uh, for someone who's going into consulting or coaching, uh, I'll let you know in a couple of years when I have it figured out. Uh, I'm still figuring it out myself, trying to trust the process. But, uh, you know, just, I would say broadly speaking, being inquisitive, uh, ask questions uh, and be, you know, be, be a curious skeptic, be curious about everything, but challenge uh, the status quo and don't trust something just because somebody said it. Dig into it a little deeper and, uh, you know, think about it your own way. Have your own thoughts about stuff. I agree. Sometimes you have to learn on the move and adjust. First, I just want to say thank you for uh, joining us on the podcast and, you know, revealing um, what it was like going through Buzz and becoming a SEAL and transitioning out of the military. Also, I just want to say thank you for your service. But would you have any lasting words that you want to leave with the listeners? Yeah, yeah lasting words, you know, I would just say, you know, a point that I kind of close some of my talks on is, you know, the disease of success. I think this goes in line with your guys' point on, you know, trust the processes that, you know, while success is, you know, the goal or a goal, it's not a destination, right? So you'll, you, you may always be striving for success, but the minute that you think you've attained it and stop and become comfortable is the moment that you, uh, you stop growing, you, you die. So uh, I think it's always important to remember that success is a great thing and we should strive for it. But if you become comfortable in success, you know, it, it becomes a disease and it infects your mind uh, and makes you forget what it took to get there in the first place. So don't don't allow yourself to be uh, to, to succumb to uh, that disease. Stay hungry and uh, continue to fight. For the, for the listeners that's, uh, that's listening to you and following the podcast, um, where could they find you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, they can look at, they can find me on uh, Instagram at, at dpmolroy. M-U-L-R-O-Y. And then uh, on Twitter, I'm at, uh, at Dan Mulroy too. I think the same is probably on LinkedIn. But uh, yeah, hit me up on there. If you have any questions, you know, DM me. Uh, let's, let's talk. But hey, again, hey guys, uh, Avante, you know, Clayvon, appreciate you guys having me on me. Love what you guys are doing with the podcast and talk about process and you know, let people know that hey, it's a journey and it doesn't end.
This concludes episode 35 of The Process. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and to like us on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Spotify. Thank you. They're chanting, trust the process. (laughs) Trust the process. Trust the process. I think the main thing for me was trying to decide on who am I and like what I want to be and how I want to be remembered. Like that was my thing. You know, oftentimes I think about like my legacy and like the mark that I want to leave, not only on the industry, but the effect that I want to leave on people. Being a whole human being, going through my obstacles, going through the things that I'm going through and not to only broadcast these things, but for it to inspire change.